Welcome to the first episode of the Present Age Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Malloy. Comic book fans may know today's guest from his work writing The Amazing Spider-Man, She-Hulk, Silver Surfer, Iron Man, and most recently, The Fantastic Four. His name is Dan Slott, and our conversation starts right now. Dan Slott, thank you so much for uh, for talking to me. I appreciate it. Thank uh, thanks for having me on, Parker. Yeah, of course, of course. So uh, we've followed each other on Twitter for years, and we've we've talked for years. And I uh, consider it's, you a Twitter friend. I consider you a real friend. Uh, <laughs> well, take that. You, I just one up you. You big sap. <laughs> yeah. No, I, it's but this is the first time we're actually. I think. No, did we, we talked on the phone. Yeah, we talked on the phone. Yeah, but but so this, say, this is the first time I've heard you. No, it is not. No, no, yeah. First, first, see what people listening to this can't see is that that Dan and I can see each other, but uh, moving but, in real time. But you can't see us, people listening to this. So sorry, you are missing out. Now um, I wish I used like a cat filter or something. <laughs> Pops up with a cat filter, yeah. so. <laughs> So one of the things I'm trying to do with this this new venture of mine, this new um, uh, newsletter slash podcast slash whatever, is um, this this idea that uh, just just looking at communication, the various ways we we communicate with each other, and I've really been enjoying being able to talk to uh, a wide variety of people doing different things, and especially coming out of the pandemic, there it's just been. Um, it's just been really interesting. One of the, one of my previous uh, interviews was with um, Will Butler, who plays in the band Arcade Fire, and it's re- it's been really interesting. Like, you know, they're used to playing in front of tens of thousands of people, and then suddenly the pandemic hits, and it's like, oh yeah, it's a bad idea to get in a room with more than like five people, which is you know fewer than are in their in their band. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, so so I wanted to talk to you because. Uh, you have a really interesting uh, career that that I uh, I've I've appreciated from both afar and up close. Um, so for for people who who uh, didn't didn't bother to listen to my intro on this, uh, so Dan is he he writes comics and um, you know you I, I'd say you've you've written a ton of stuff. But like most, it's probably safe to say that most for most people who are familiar with your work it's they're probably um most familiar with your decade-long run of amazing spider-man would you say that's correct yeah uh most people who know me uh it's it's weird because i've had a career that's had like i've had the benefit of having multiple uh runs at this Mm -hmm. where people forget what i did before and then i i come in all fresh-faced so for a long time, I used to be the Ren and Stimpy guy. Yep. And eventually I became, then I became the She-Hulk guy. Uh, now I am, you know, people still think of me as the Spider-Man guy. Cause I, once I got that, that was my dream gig. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever it's kind of neat. Once you become like a Spider-Man writer, all the other Spider-Man writers, it's almost like a fraternity. Mm-hmm. Like you all, they'll reach out and they'll talk to you. Like, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? You know, like I, I killed Peter Parker. Yeah. Uh, and replaced his brain with Doc Ox is one of the ways most people know me. And <laughs> for, for better or for worse, people, 
Yeah, I mean, people had very, very strong opinions about that. <laughs> yes, uh, to the point where Marvel literally hired bodyguards. Uh, oh, seriously? Yeah, yeah for one signing yeah. and another signing, uh, the NYPD provided them. That is uh, nuts. Yeah, I was I was brought into a meeting with uh, the NYPD, the DA's office, the NYPD Cybercrime Division, um, and uh, just for all the death threats that we got once we killed Peter Parker. Wow. Yeah, that... it, was, it was on the crawl on CNN, and I had to tell my dad to make sure my mom didn't watch CNN. Then. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. That's just... That's wild. And that's, um, geez, I, I had no, I had no idea it got that bad, but that's, you know, I'm, I'm glad that that, that seems to have mostly, uh, it, you know, it, it dissipated, uh, right. It dissipated like within two weeks. Yeah. Uh, once the next issue came out, the first issue of superior Spider-Man the, mm-hmm. it, with Doc Ock and Spidey's brain. And at the end of the issue, spoilers you see that peter parker's ghost is there so all the readers went ah and they could see there was some kind of connected bridge some way back mm-hmm. that maybe peter parker could get his body back and then they're like okay okay we're once people could see the puzzle pieces in place mm-hmm. but before then grown men were were like you killed peter parker how could you uh, but that's that's when the nice one of the nice things that came out of that, like I said before, is uh, Jerry Conway, a longtime writer of Spider-Man, reached out to me um, when all that was going down. And he was all uh, he's the one who killed Gwen Stacy, oh, okay. Spider-Man's longtime girlfriend uh, at the hands of the Green Goblin. And it was the first major death uh, since uh, Captain Stacy and Uncle Ben. And Jerry said to me, and it was the first time we'd met, was him reaching out to go, like, are you okay? Um, And he said, you know what makes you different from every other Spider-Man writer? And I'm like, no, Jerry Conway. (laughs) This is the guy who was writing Spider-Man when I was growing up. It was like, oh, my God. And he went, "Uh, you're the writer of Spider-Man during the age of social media. Yes. And you're yeah. like, aha. Mm-hmm. And he's like, if I had killed Gwen Stacy and there had been Twitter and Facebook around, I would have been killed. Oh, I can't even imagine. Yeah. That that would just be ridiculous. And that and that, and that I think is is kind of one of one of the things that I uh that has really interested me about t- talking to you on on this is that Yes, it is the age of social media. It is the age where people have direct access to pretty much anyone on the planet. I mean, I, I, I try to think about what it would be like growing up and, you know, being like in my teens and being able to just connect with literally any person on the planet, favorite musicians, favorite, you know, least favorite musicians, uh, politicians and, you know, anything. And it's it's fantastic, but it's also terrifying at the same time. And I think that when it comes to higher profile um, people, especially, you know, when, when you're making these decisions that, you, you know, like obviously you can't please everyone with every issue of every story that you write. And so yeah. obviously they're going to, they're going to voice their, their opinions back to you. So what is one thing <laughs> <laughs> that you what is one thing you love about social media and what is one thing you hate about social media that is uh 
That's the question. I'm sure you do this too. Like you throw out some kind of thing to a celebrity you like, and then they like it or they answer it or they retweet it. And then you get that rush, that sugar rush of, oh my God. And admit it, you screen capped it, haven't you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh my God, this famous director answered my email, you know, answered my my tweet in real time or this celebrity that I care about. Like I am Mm -hmm. a huge Whovian. I am, I am a doctor who nerd to the nth degree. And one of the bizarro things that happened because, you know, you and I, we have, we're, we're those awful human beings who have blue checks. Ah, the, the, the dreaded blue checks, the, the blue check. And, and something happens when you're a blue check and you throw a comment to another blue check and it almost gives you a little bit of validity and they'll look at it and yeah. you're like, ah, but it also other people will start watching this conversation you're having in real time. So Karen Gillen, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, uh, the, who is Amy Pond and Nebula and in Jumanji two. And uh, she was mentioning how she couldn't get wait to get back to Scotland and have chips with chippy sauce. And I wrote, you know, for American fans, what's chippy sauce? Yeah. And then she started describing it. We were having a, a brief conversation about chippy sauce. Yeah. And suddenly it's in the newspaper the next day in British media. <laughs> American fans confused by chippy sauce. And there's something like my tweet. Yeah. In an actual newspaper talking, what what is going on? Yeah, that... I. It, it's it's always funny when something I tweet ends up in like 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 if someone calls if if a reporter calls me and 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 says hey can I get a comment on whatever I'll sit there and I'll think it through and then I'll be like okay yes here's my statement but a lot of times it's just like something I tweeted not really thinking about anything and and it'll just be in the in the paper and the way that it's worded a lot of times will just be pretty much the same it'll still Horrible. be like like it's just a quote from me you know. Oh. And it's it's usually fine, but sometimes it's a little embarrassing, you know. I have to be super careful. Like I praised uh, the Shazam movie, and okay, then yeah. suddenly Shazam social media is reaching out like we would like to use this on a poster, <laughs> and I'm like, I no, I'm like a Marvel exclusive guy. I can't I can't have what? like someone at Marvel see yeah. like my tweet praising Shazam on a poster for God's sake. See, oh. and, and that's the thing. It, it takes, it takes something that's like, should be no big deal to just be like, Hey, I really like this thing or, or I didn't care for this thing. Like either way, it it should just be something that's small, but social media has this weird way of flattening everything to the point where, whether it was a, big comment, little comment, something you thought about for weeks or something that just popped into your head, it's all treated the same. And we're in and this, it, you know, world where everyone is. <laughs> you know the you know the Plinko game? Yeah. Where the ball goes down, hits the... Whatever your comment is, however nuanced it is, wherever it dropped on the Pinko, at the end of the day, there's black and white. There's yes and no. And someone will take your very nuanced threading a concept tweet and make it into you believe this or you support that when you're like, I was 
threading this. Writer Nick Spencer. Yeah. Who did a controversial, a controversial story with, uh, where Captain America, Steve Rogers, was revealed to be an agent of Hydra through comic book machinations, the right. a cosmic cube had rewritten it. So he was now always a Hydra agent. There were two Captain America comic books coming out at that time, both written by Nick Spencer. One mm-hmm. featured the blonde-haired, blue-eyed Steve Rogers, who is now secretly an agent of Hydra, and the other featured Stan Wilson, African-American superhero, who was also calling himself Captain America. These were clearly two books of one piece, taking on two different sides of arguments. And everything boiled down to everyone threw what wouldn't even talk about the Sam Wilson, Captain America comic. This, the, and these were sister comics. They would only talk about that and how dare you turn Captain America into something that looks and feels like a Nazi. How yeah. dare you? And that became the conversation. And that's the conversation Twitter wanted. And that's the conversation it got. It will always go to the thing that is the most hot button, the most rea- the most reactionary. No one wants a well thought out, nuanced conversation. That's not what social media is for. Yeah, well, exactly. And I mean, um, that's one thing that I always find really interesting about in the the way that social media, which is this very like instant gratification kind of setup, um, will will respond to things as far as comics are concerned um because in in that case you had twitter freaking out and it turned into oh well nick spencer's trying to turn captain america into a nazi and all this and like i mean have people read comics before i mean if if all of these characters are around for decades and decades and decades you need to have some kind of out there storylines to keep it going in different directions and generally speaking you're not gonna like how how weird would that have been had it just had had it been like yes no captain america is a nazi that's how it is now going forward you know it's like that is not you know Anyone who's paid attention to comics should should know what's happening. What it is, is everyone wants the theater of it. Yeah. You know, and everyone wants to be part of the conversation. And, and things like trending topics mean that suddenly if, if you're having an argument and, and things are boiling down to black and white, and things are boiling down to, then it means all these people that aren't familiar, let's say with comics, suddenly jump into the conversation as well. Because yeah. all they're hearing, like if we use that example, is Captain America's a Nazi. Yeah. What was Marvel thinking? So now someone's jumping in with that, you know, and, and we get to see over time that like someone who's got skin in the game, where like, you know, you see like a Russian troll farm will gin up a, a topic in the middle of three in the morning, suddenly everyone cares about Hunter Biden's laptop at yeah. three in the morning. Just like, oh, yeah, or yeah, sure. yeah, or everyone cares <laughs> about, you know, this, that, or the other at 3 a.m. And it's because people have now found a way to manipulate the yeah. game. So right now there's this this um push in some of the some states to um fight back against what 
the people fighting are calling critical race theory. And it's just this uh. culture war nonsense, basically, um, that, that is, is being waged by, um, some, some extremely online figures. <laughs> um, so there's this guy named James, James Lindsay, who's one of the, the big anti critical race theory dudes. Um, he tweeted, he, he posted a link to a headline that said, Marvel reveals Steve Rogers no longer believes in the American dream in first issue of whatever. And, 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 and so he responds, abolish Marvel. And that was, that was sent yesterday. And then all the other replies to his are Steve Rogers standing for nothing but nihilism is a sad commentary on the woke movement. The left went after entertainment so they could pervert your children's thoughts and destroy your childhood heroes. We are in the propaganda phase of a war. Pay attention and confront this before it's too late. And then, yeah, that that's it. I'm done with woke Marvel. Only the old stuff for for me from now on. Everything they've put out post-awokening can go straight in the trash as far as I'm concerned. Now, that is a very, you know, tell me you've never read a Captain America comic without Ever. telling me you've never read a Captain America comic. You know? Yeah. Like, it's, like, you know, we can point to everything from the whole Nomad, nomad area, era, yeah. the whole Nomad era of Cap, which was the Captain America books that came shortly after Watergate. Right. Um, where he, he refused to wear the flag. And he right. did it again for a while when the character that you've, a lot of people have now met through, uh, Falcon Winter Soldier, U.S. agent became Captain America. And once again, Captain America threw off the costume and wore, you know, this black costume to show that he wasn't supporting certain beliefs. And you can look at, you know, comic book writers that are very right wing, like, uh, Frank Miller. Yeah. When he does Captain, when he did Daredevil Born Again with Captain America in it, that you clearly saw that was a Captain America that stands more for the dream and the ideology than the flag. A lot of this is something will boil up in comic Twitter mm -hmm. and, it, and it'll make it over to regular Twitter where someone can take it and grab it and run with it. Yeah. Like, you know, when they said Ta-Nehisi Coates is going to write uh, the Superman movie, you know, suddenly everyone's looking for a fight yeah. and, and it's got to boil down to good or bad. It's got to boil down to I'm against it or I'm for it. And there's really no room for conversation. Yeah. Um, you're going to have a far more fun time on Twitter if you just watch the funny animal videos. Yeah. One thing I've tried to, one thing I've tried to do more of is understanding Knowing what I don't know, that is, that is an important skill, I think, is to, to know when you don't know enough to weigh in. <laughs> and, and that's something that, you know, it's like I struggled with for a while. It was, I would be like, no, I think I should give my opinion on this. And then, <laughs> you know, I, whatever it is. And you see that happen every day, you know, a story will come out about, uh, you know, wildlife. And suddenly everyone's like, well, when, when an animal is uh, cornered, it does this. And, you know, like they all have, everyone becomes an expert in every single everyone, issue that happens. Oh yeah. God. I, I love how, how much legal expertise everyone has. Oh yeah. Online. Everyone, <laughs> everyone online has gone to law school. Yep. You know, it's, yep. everyone's in the same way that everyone's a doctor because they can go to WebMD. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's kind of scary. Like one of the things that's happening a lot in my industry is NFTs. Yeah. And I, whenever someone comes them. to me and goes, <laughs> what, what's your opinion? 
And I'm like Marvin in the back of the car of Pulp Fiction. I am like, (laughs) I know nothing of this subject. I am not even going to research it. I'm not even going to look into it. It can be all the way over there. And I'm I'm out. I have no, I I am not for or against. I, all I know is my ignorance. But yeah, I mean, the internet makes it so much easier to connect with others, you know, but one, one thing I've been, I've been kind of thinking about is just that, um, maybe we're not meant to be so connected with others. I'm not meant to know the opinion of a hundred thousand people all at once. You can't, you can't, you can't unring the bell. Yeah. But I, if you say something wrong in, uh, you know, a newspaper, your newspaper can get sued. Yeah. There are certain kind of guardrails. There's certain things that are out there and the internet feels far more wild, wild west. Yeah. That- and, and, but, and it also feels far more vigilante where, you know, you get that case where this woman, before she goes on a plane, makes a terrible racist joke. And by the time the plane lands, that joke is trended. She's been fired from her job. You know, people are waiting to see, to see her as she comes off the plane with signs mocking her. And did she deserve it? I don't know. Probably yes. But then I don't – it's also weird. It's also wild, wild, wet. Like Chris Cooper and that woman in the park mm-hmm. with the burden. Yeah. Um, comics Twitter is way more into that because we, a lot of us know Chris Cooper because he started off in comics. He's edited comics. I wrote in the nineties. We saw, we were horrified. Yeah. And then he didn't press charges and no charges were pressed. Now suddenly she was doing that thing again. Yeah. Like, and we're all like, Oh, there should have been consequences. But like during when it was happening, everyone was ready to find this woman and, and burn her at the stake. And and should and then we were all and then there were people being all let's not be a mob and now she's out doing the same thing again with no repercussions and, and, and like oh we should have <laughs> I don't and, know and that and that's kind of kind of uh, you know the 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 issue is that I don't think that there are clear correct answers to how to respond to things happening in the in the world. And it's it, one thing that I've been finding extremely odd, especially um, from kind of the world of of, of uh, news media, is this this idea that the HR decisions of every company should be up to like a public vote, <laughs> which yeah. you know it's like someone gets pushed out at at a at a company because they wrote some bad columns or something, and and then you have half the internet going, how did they justify this? You know that sort of thing. But when you think about it, it's like people get fired every day for, for no reason at all. Sometimes it's just, Hey, uh, we're, we're tired of you, you know, like that sort of thing. I mean, I've been laid off from jobs before and that seems to be something that people kind of insert themselves into on this really wide scale when it comes to social media. Yeah. We just saw like four years of an administration where if certain people in certain positions acted that way at a, at a company, they would be fired and they were able to use social media mm-hmm. as a way to bolster their power 
and to go, we are untouchable. Because look at all these Twitter followers we have. Look at look at this public opinion. And you'd have people on the news talking about the reaction on Twitter, mm-hmm. which is something that can't be regulated, which is something that can be abused, which is something that can have a troll farm in Russia create, you know, 80 yeah. million tweets overnight. Or, or people, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, and yet there's some people like, That guy who created the whole Pizzagate scandal, Uh he's still online. Yeah. He's still someone that people retweet and talk about and use as a source. And I'm like, shouldn't that guy have been ridden out of town on a rail? (laughs) Shouldn't he, like, have no soapbox for the rest of his life? You created and propagated Pizzagate, and yet you still have a platform. Right, yeah. How does that work? It's it's so... It's just so, so bizarre to, to just kind of, to, to, to watch, watch that happen. And, and I, I was, uh, a month or two ago, I was, I was speaking with, um, Michael Hobbs, who is, he, he hosts a podcast called You're Wrong About. And I love that podcast. It's great and highly recommended. But, um, he was talking to me about how some of his, uh, some of like some of the most popular episodes of that podcast have gotten a million downloads, which is great. And he was trying to think of this like like if you get a thousand emails all at once, it's gonna feel like the world is crashing down on you. You know, it's gonna feel like everyone on the planet is laser focused on you. You know, you might be trending or something like that, even. But he he put it this way he he's like okay so imagine one of those th- one of those like episodes that got a million downloads if a thousand people are extremely angry and they all email you about it and they all start yelling at you online about it that's 1% like that's not that's not a majority it's not a or actually no that's <laughs> that's that's one tenth of 1% now that i think about it it's important to put these things in perspective. And I think that one thing that social media does is it, is it really flattens that perspective, which is, which is very unfortunate. And it makes taking risks and being creative and, and all of that uh, more difficult. I'm, I'm curious, have you ever pulled punches in your writing? Have you ever like held, held back because you're like, I don't want to deal with whatever the fallout from this idea that I have in my head is. What? Like on a tweet? No, no. Like, like in your work. In my work? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, of yeah. course. Yeah, we all, I mean, we all self-censor in various ways, but. I also have the benefit of having an editor. Yes, editors um, are important. <laughs> who will go, you are not doing that. Yeah. You, you are not telling that story. Um, one, of the, one of the issues of Spider-Man that I pitched, uh, and I, I, I wrote like, over 200 issues of Spider-Man. So you're always throwing out ideas. Uh, And one of them, there's a a Spider-Man villain swarm who was this, uh, this Nazi scientist von Meyer, who he had uh, done stuff with killer bees and (laughs) they became a part of him. So he became a living swarm of killer bees with like his skeletal remains in the middle. But that that's it. He's like a walking pile of killer bees. And he would always attack Spider-Man by firing killer bees at him or turning the killer bees into like 
a giant hammer and hitting him with a hammer made of <laughs> killer bees. So it, that's yeah. every swarm story was the same swarm story. He fires bees at you. And I go, I have an idea. I want to do a swarm story. I know a new way of doing a swarm story. And the editor is like, what is it? And I go, we've never seen what's happened to the honey. (laughs) What? And I'm like, yeah, you'd be like selling the honey at like farmer's market and stuff and like in disguise in a beekeeper suit or something. And everyone who eats the honey, since they're honey made of Nazi bees, become Nazis. (laughs) And you want to tell a story about Nazi honey. I'm like, yes, I think this would be really interesting. And, uh, and I'm like, and we call it Nazi gold. Like (laughs) you are never telling that story. You are never Uh, telling the story of Nazi honey. We will stop you. Yeah. You know, it's It's nice to have someone to tell, you no. Yeah. I mean, like that's, that's the thing. It's, it's one of those things that would it have been interesting? Absolutely. Uh, Would it have, you know, would people have been like, oh, look at look at this. He's writing a story where they're making Nazis, <laughs> where honey turns people into Nazis. Why, what does he have against honey? And what, what does he have he... against? <laughs> this is, yeah, the, the, that and a story where uh, Spider-Man was fighting like Yakuza or the mob or somebody in a hotel where there was a, a, a drop for drugs or blood diamonds mm-hmm. or whatever, the, you know, the Pulp Fiction briefcase. and. In elsewhere in the hotel was a furry convention. And this guy was going to his first furry convention and he was hiding the fact that he was a furry from his family. And at one point the police and all these people burst in because they're going after the mob. Right. And the the guys that Spider-Man are fighting and the guy from the furry convention Oh my God, I don't want to get caught. And he goes running and he ends up in the room with all the mobsters, but it's the Marvel universe. Yeah. And it's a guy in a giant animal suit. So they assume he's a supervillain. Sure. And they go, are you the supervillain we sent for? And he goes, yes, I am. (laughs) So he ends up dragged along in the story as the weasel. And, uh, by the end of the story, he has unintentionally become Spider-Man's worst enemy <laughs> through no means of his own. Um, we, he'll have his hand on the giant lever that's going to lower Spider-Man into the pit. And Spider-Man's like, you'll never get away with this weasel. And he's like, I, I don't want to be doing this. <laughs> um, and I thought it was this really funny story. And I, my editor goes, you're, you're pitching us a Spider-Man story with furries. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, you are never telling that story we will stop you you can't tell that story and when you wake up in the morning and you go thank you marvel thank you for not letting me i have now slept on it and yeah that 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 no no i shouldn't know thank you for stopping me see i i i I think that would be interesting (laughs) this is what people say you know i mean it's (laughs) For, for some reason, I, I don't know why, but that that reminded me of there's there's a what's that character um, who was like an old like uh, he, human torch villain who was uh, asbestos man. Asbestos man. <laughs> I, I like uh, he he made like a, a like comeback uh, like decades after he was first first written that was basically like he shows up and he's just like i'm asbestos man and everyone's like no stay back stay back <laughs> and it's they're, they're afraid of him but for the wrong reasons 
I wanted, I wanted, when I was writing She-Hulk, it, it was all like her as a lawyer dealing with superhero problems. Mm-hmm. I so wanted to do the Asbestos Man case. Yeah. Where, you know, like. Asbestos yeah. Man lawsuits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wanted to do Asbestos Man lawsuits. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was stuff I didn't do in She-Hulk for that same reason. And people were like, don't, don't go near there. Like, I was going to do a, a story of a one of the characters, she works in a law firm and they deal with superhero cases. Like, uh, is, uh, can a ghost testify at their own murder trial? Like things <laughs> that would only happen in a superhero world. Right. And I had a story where one of the lawyers in her firm, their high school biology teacher was getting fired, uh, for teaching Marvel creationism. So everything he was teaching his students is stuff that you can see in Marvel comics. Yeah. Like Odin coming down from the world tree and the, <laughs> you know, the Eternals and the, uh, you know, the Cree aliens creating the Inhumans and the Deviants. And, mm-hmm. and you're like, we've been having this stuff and this mythology in our comics for years. Um, and to have someone get fired because they were teaching it in a science class. And I thought this was really funny. And they're like, Oh, let's not go near this. <laughs> yeah, you know. Let's not, no, yeah. let's not poke that bear with a stick. Dan Slot supports creationism. <laughs> that's, you, you know, that's the takeaway. You know the, you know the Watcher, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Watcher, the, uh, they were going to bring the Watcher on the stand in that case, and the Watcher was going to go, everything he said is true. <laughs> Oh, uh, uh, well, Dan, thank you so much for for talking to me. This has been this has been a lot of fun. Um, what's what can people mm-hmm. check out that you're working on right now? Uh, any issue of the Fantastic Four that's on the stands. All right. Uh, please check out the FF. We're in the 60th anniversary year. We're telling big stories. We're taking big swings to honor the legacy of uh Stan and Jack, who would tell the the craziest stories in the Marvel Universe in the FF. That's today's show. Thanks so much for sticking around. You can find more by visiting readthepresentage.com. 